Hello and welcome to episode 22 of series 2 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Before we get into today's interview, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up on what we've got coming up in future episodes. So in two weeks time, on the 17th of August, we have an interview with Neil Jenkins from Iron Mountain, and he's going to be telling us all about employee communications in a large, complex organisation, which is what Neil works in. Really good interview, really interesting insights there. Then on the episode after that, which is episode 24 of this series, which is going out on the 31st of August, we have an interview with Lisa Gwinnell. Now, Lisa works for Siemens and is going to be talking all about how internal comms can earn and maintain its place at the table, i.e. how can we make sure that we are acting as trusted advisors and business partners within our organisation. And Lisa has some really useful insights into uh, her experience in that area, which I think you will find really, really interesting. And then the episode going way into the future, going to uh, the 14th of September, which is the episode 25 we have an interview with Niall Ryan from the Department of Health and Social Care and Niall's going to be telling us all about how you can maintain and sustain organizational purpose and clarity about organizational purpose when we have a remote workers and that kind of links in with today's uh, episode as well to a certain extent so a lot of these uh, themes are recurring and coming around but from slightly different angles so I'm hoping you're finding that's useful uh, on that note if you do have any feedback for us we we would love to know what you think of the show, if there's any topics you'd like us to cover in the future going forward. So if you have any specific questions or feedback, please let us know. You can either send us an email uh, at, at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or if you go to our website for the podcast which is engagingic.com, there is a form on there where you can leave us some feedback. You can leave us anonymous feedback or you can let us know who you are so we can get back to you. Um, and that we found that really useful in the past in terms of helping us to um, get make sure that we're covering topics that you're interested in and that you'd like to hear about. And finally, just before I go on to today's interview, just to let you know about an event that we are running on the 8th, or sorry, on the 9th of September. So that's the 9th of September 2021. And that's going to be at 3 p.m. UK time. And this is for any of you who have colleagues or if you are directly working in or if you have colleagues working in health and safety uh, in, in, in terms of driving communications and training and within the health and safety forum. What we're going to be doing is we are going to be sharing some insights that we have that we've we've learned over the years about how you can transform your health and safety culture within your organization and particularly how you can make your training and communications a lot more engaging and in, and something that people enthusiastically participate in um, so that is a webinar a free webinar I hasten to add that we're running as I said on the 9th of September 2021 and that is at 3 p.m in the afternoon so if you go to our website which is the bigpicturepeople.co.uk and along the menu bar at the top you will see events and if you scroll down the first event you'll see is called transforming health and safety communication and training so if you or any of your colleagues work in that area it would be great to have you come along you'd be more than welcome and uh, you i think you'll find that a useful and insightful hour so on that note we are now going to move on to today's interview 
One of the areas that we're all probably aware of and thinking about, regardless of which organisation we work for, is how are we going to continue to engage our remote and virtual and hybrid workers as we come out of the pandemic of 2020 and 2021? Um, And I wanted to find out some of the communications and employee engagement issues that we need to be facing into, which inevitably overlap with many of the HR issues that we'll be considering as well when it comes to bringing people back from the pandemic into a new way of working, whatever that is, whether that's hybrid or whatever we're going to call it. um, And what are some of the things that we need to be reflecting on? So I went to someone who is an expert in the true sense of the word, someone who has been writing and talking about the importance of hybrid virtual working for 20 to 30 years now and uh, the world has finally caught up with and uh, so what we're going to be finding out in this interview is what are some of the things that um, uh, we, we've learned from this this whole exercise what are the some of the things that as employee engagers and internal communicators we really need to be thinking about about our role in reintegrating people into a new way of working and also how do we avoid some of the potentiality for some of the subcultures to arise where there are people who are office-based, there are people who are working hybrid, there are people who are working in the field, there are people who've been furloughed, the people who've not been furloughed. How do we start to bring people back together to ensure that we've got one harmonious culture um, and not one where there are different ways of working which lead to different subcultures and, and are divisive. So we've got a lot to cover in this interview but um, uh, uh, I say this a lot, but a really, really fantastic interview with a really, really genuine thought leader in this space, which I think you'll find uh, really, really helpful. So my interviewee today is Kevin Hall. Kevin helps organisations and individuals working in remote, hybrid, matrix and agile ways of working. Kevin is a speaker, consultant, trainer and the author of leading books such as Leading Remote and Virtual Teams, Making the Matrix Work, Speed Lead and Kill Bad Meetings. Kevin manages his own team at Global Integration with people in Europe, the Americas and Asia. Global Integration has 400 clients in over 50 countries and has trained over 150,000 people. Kevin has a background in large multinationals covering international HR, operations management, strategic planning and people development. So, good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good morning. Fantastic. Where, where, just for the listeners, where are, you, where are you based at the moment, Kevin? Where are you? Yeah, under normal circumstances, the answer I always give is on average Heathrow because I travel a lot but of course for the last year and a half I know exactly where I've been I've been at home which is about 40 miles west of London fantastic yes I know you are truly a, a globe trotter in all in every sense of the word I thought I used to do a lot of globe trotting but you're 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 phenomenal at that so uh, tell us um I've g- given an introduction to to you um but uh, you, I know you can probably do a better job t- you just want to kind of give us a quick overview of what you're really passionate about and what your current focus is at the moment yeah, I guess as with a lot of people who start their own business, it started from a problem that I had that wasn't being met. And when I was working for Mars, the, the confectionery and pet food and human food business, everybody that I worked with was working across cultures. They were working virtually. They were in a matrix structure. And yeah, about 30 years ago, there just wasn't any training that reflected those, maybe a little bit of the early cross-cultural training. Mm. And um, after I was also looking after training for the group at one point. Um, and 
after complaining for about six months that I couldn't buy any training in that area, it suddenly occurred to me there wasn't any training in that area. So 27 years ago, I left uh, around what I think was the world's first remote and virtual teams training program and also working across cultures. And then as you work on virtual teams, somebody will say, by the way, I have two bosses and they hate each other and they're not aligned, any ideas. And so we got pulled into the matrix. So it was all about ways of working. And of course, more recently, things like agile ways of working and digital ways of working have also come onto the agenda. So it's all about helping people to succeed. So we're not about reporting lines and structure and technology. We're about the the leadership and collaboration stuff in large, complex organizations, basically. Yeah, 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 and and um, and and as I, as I think I said to you when I reached out to you again because we've known each other for a while was that, that it's like since since last March in March twenty twenty the kind of world's been catching up with stuff you've been talking about for the last twenty thirty years which uh, I'm sure I'm sure made made you smile a little bit but also uh, you know is a great opportunity I mean. What are some of the things, I mean, the pace has been phenomenal, I think, for all of us. Uh, what are some of the things that's maybe even surprised someone like you with your depth and understanding of of some of the challenges of, of, of the, you know, the kind of working that we've had to get used to um, and the pace and, and depth that it's, it's taken? What, what, is there anything that surprised you about, about the last 18 months? Yes. I mean, I, obviously, there were some special circumstances around this. I mean, a lot of the people issues have been the same, the same issues that people have working remotely. But, you know, going back to you said about pace, that was that was crazy, wasn't it? I mean, mm. if you'd sat down in early 2020, beginning of 2020 and said to someone in a large multinational, I want you to put together a project to put a, send 40 percent of your people to work from home. And I, mm. I, I've asked a few clients, how long do you think that project would have taken? And they said at least two years. Mm. now it turns out you can do it over a weekend yeah yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and so that that kind of in the you know when you really have to do it the level of change that you can enact was 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 startling and you know in 27 years the number one objection to remote working consistently has been managerial attitudes to control Mm. people not wanting to to have their people out of sight to be Mm. frank Mm. Um, and what I think, you know, it's it's a, an unprecedented global experiment that said basically people are incredibly adaptive, incredibly trustworthy, incredibly productive when they work from home. And so I kind of hope that this will have killed that historic objection that comes from yeah. people who want to have control. But, you know, I am seeing a little bit, maybe we can talk about this later, what I'm calling the empire strikes back, you know, mm. the, the leaders who weren't very keen on this now trying to find reasons why we should all come back to the office. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's the old theory X theory Y thing, isn't it? Yeah. The, you know, and and uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, one of the slides I, I was using when I, a few clients of mine, you know, asked if I could just talk with them because I mean, I'd been working virtually myself for, for fourteen years, so yeah. you know, for me it wasn't. But mm-hmm. but you know, I, I totally empathised with the, the the kind of magnitude for them. And I had a slide which was just you know the kind of cat and mouse, which was that whole trust thing about you know while well, the cat's away, the mouse will play. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what I agree with you. That was one of the biggest hurdles to this and has been a hurdle to this in the past of 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 just you know if i'm not looking over their shoulder do i can i can i be sure they're actually doing what they're meant to be doing but i think what actually what for me and i'd be interested on your thoughts on this because i know this is something you you you've you've espoused and uh, you, you know i think is virtually is impossible if you're not working if you are working virtually is that you have to get used to measuring people by their outputs not by their inputs by you know their deliverables not by how they do it because it's been impossible for people to to have any kind of routine so a lot of people with kids and and family commitments uh, so what are your thoughts around that and 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 is there anything that 
um you, you, I, I mean i like your empire strikes back analogy what what, what do you think what what do you what do you you know, and I'm looking to be a crystal ball. What do you think is going to happen there? Then, do you think the, the, the empire will win this time, or, or do you think that common sense will prevail? Yeah, I, I think you know, when we look back at the last last kind of year and a half, um, I, I think we have to separate what's about working from home and what's about a pandemic. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. Do you, do you remember? You know, three years ago, uh, working from home was a perk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so that the experience of trying to survive a pandemic, looking after your family, homeschooling, having anxiety about what's happening in the outside world and working is very different from the historic experience of, of remote working. And I, I do like to separate the two because I think sometimes they get conflated and, and maybe remote working gets blamed for things that are the pandemic and, and vice versa. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I do think your point about I, I'd go beyond uh, beyond out puts as well uh, because then we start to measure the work mm. i'm kind of i think outputs are a useful part of performance management in a remote environment but outcomes yeah are even yeah. more important yeah. like what happened as a result of these outputs you know because yes if i'm in a clinical trials team and i generate 15 reports have i done my work or mm. is my work around getting a drug launched yeah, yeah that's so very... I'm, I'm interested in as, as far as possible moving towards outcomes and I, I founded my business on the basis that I wouldn't you know, everybody was remote I wouldn't monitor people people have targets um, around you know revenue revenue level and I you know I, I hate being micromanaged myself mm. um, I, I can't bear it that's one of the reasons I started my own business mm. I, I realized that all stress came from other people who disagreed about what yeah. I wanted to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. so I kind of feel that everybody else is the same. So I do like to give give a lot of empowerment and flexibility. Uh, and so, you know, for example, we don't even monitor things like holidays or hours. We never have to. Um, and if anything, the problem with that is that people over-deliver because of the commitment that you build. Yeah. Um, so I, I have more conversations about people remembering to take their holiday and not working too late than concerns about productivity. Yeah. Yeah, that's on, fantastic. On your question about the, the kind yeah. of Empire Strikes Back stuff, <clears throat> it's quite notable. I think the the companies that always struggled with it had a culture of presenteeism, and I've mm. seen a lot in investment banking. Like, mm. no surprise, you know, there are some parts of investment banking, you know, the trading floor, for example, it's very hard to see how you do that remotely. But then culture, that culture, then permeates everybody, and so you have senior leaders who are mad keen to get people back into the offices, and they they firmly believe because it's been their own experience that that's how you build culture, etc., mm. etc. Mm. Um, and if you're a great investment bank, for example. I won't name any names, but I'm sure you've seen some of them in the press, the announcements from their CEOs. Yeah. Um, if you're a great investment bank, there will be enough people in the world who want to work on your trading floor. You will find enough talent because you pay fantastic money. You're a good company and, and, and. But when you go further down the organization, you're going to be wanting to recruit IT people to support that. Uh, yeah. And I'm already hearing from clients around the world. I wrote a blog on it last week. Um a client in Austria saying our, our big up, big alter, uh, advantage used to be that we're in Vienna and Vienna's fantastic. If you who wouldn't yeah. want to live in Vienna? And so they could get people who wanted to live in Vienna. But already, you know, already in the last six months, they're seeing candidates saying, "Well, of course I can live in Vienna, but I can live in Vienna now. I can work for Google. I can work for you know General Motors. I can work for a Latin American mm. company. That global talent market uh, flexibility is now baked in." Mm. Uh, and so I think they will have, you know, significant uh, disadvantages or they'll be paying above the odds or they'll be recruiting a particular type of person 
you know, yeah. Silicon Valley. I, I love to go to Silicon Valley. I go there twice a year just to kind of see what's what's happening. Um, because a lot of people don't want to live in Silicon Valley or can't afford to live in Silicon Valley. Well, if you open your talent pool globally, the game really changes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it's going to be real interesting how this how this plays out. I do think, you know, people have been working from home for a year and a half. I've got people in my team who never wanted to work from home, but now mm. they're working from home. They're kind of used to it. You do get inertia. Yeah. And so I think initially there'll be some resistance to coming back in the office. Uh, then there'll be like massive enthusiasm because everyone has a lovely time going out for lunch and meeting their colleagues. And then it'll settle back. And I wouldn't be surprised to find out that, you know, people are coming to, into the office you know, two, three days a week through through preference over time once it starts to reestablish for variety and, and community and all those kind of things. I'd be surprised if uh, many people vote to come into the office spontaneously on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, yeah. Was, that was already happening, wasn't it? If you, drive, yeah. if you, drove, if you drive anywhere around London uh, on a Friday, there's a massive difference in traffic even yeah. before the pandemic. So yeah. I think yeah. that stuff will continue and maybe that will apply to Mondays as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really interesting, and I I totally agree. Actually, your your point around outcomes, not out, outputs, is 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 a really important distinction. Actually, I so I totally agree with you. I on think that. I think there's one other thing I'd call out mm. about this, which which has been heartwarming. I, I would even say is that I think the humanization of leadership, I think the focus on mm. well being, I think mm. the sense that all of us are in the same storm, if not the same boat. And I, the, the kind of leveling up that's happened by communicating through video, I think, has been very welcome. And I, I kind of hope that that stuff remains on the leadership agenda. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I've heard that a lot. I've heard a lot of people talking about it. It's, it's almost taken away the pressure for everything to be perfect, hasn't it, from a communications yeah. perspective? Uh, you, you know, it's okay to be, you know, in your living room with your with your T-shirt on and the and the dog behind you and all of that sort of thing it doesn't have to be in a kind of you know suit and tie in a corporate environment with perfect lighting i agree it's much more authentic and much more kind of sustainable as well i guess as well so um, and you learn things about people you know you mm, can see their backgrounds you can see how they live you know you you kind of find i found out things about my team that i'm I'm almost ashamed to say i didn't know (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, exactly we tended to meet in in the office environment or or in front of clients and so Mm. yeah i think that's been healthy uh, it's, yeah it's funny actually because i i've really enjoyed that exactly that point actually that 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 sort of getting a sense of who people are beyond you know their work persona mm. and i've also had a few clients who've you know insisted on everybody has to have this sort of same microsoft teams you know corporate background like a banner behind them and you kind of think mm, yeah okay fair enough i kind of see why you're doing it from a professional perspective but it does sort of take away some of the you know the kind of um the personality behind it as yeah. well so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I, I really want to focus in on uh, uh, what well focus in on a really really broad area if that makes sense but which is you know that this 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 podcast is about in, internal comms and employee engagements so that's what we try and focus on we do digress a little bit sometimes but um i'd really like to you know and i know obviously com- communications and engagement is integral to, to to a lot of the work that you do it's about that kind of cohesiveness and 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 that kind of loose tight sort of arrangement that we need to have in teams so I'd really be interested, and it's a really, really general question, so I apologise. But I mean, when we when we're looking at not just the, the pandemic related things, but as we you know as we move, as we probably recognise, as you've just said, we're probably going to be in a world in a year or two's time where, you know, on average, it'll be a kind of two a day, two or three days in the office, perhaps the rest working from home. What do you see? 
based on not just you know what's happened recently but over your you know 20 30 years of experience of this so playing some of that into it as well what are some of the comms and engagement challenges organizations need to be thinking about because i think they've 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 kind of coped and sustained and actually developed some really good stuff as we've just been talking about but going forward what do people need to be thinking of now if you you know this is now going to be become the new normal if you excuse Mm -hmm. that corny phrase yeah, and I think it's that. It's kind of moving from a situation where we've been giving people emergency toolkits to cope to say, right, this is now a sustainable long-term way of operating. And so mm. it would be a tragedy, really, if having gone through this experience, we went back to the old normal. And so, I, I, you know, also the, the new normal gets a bit overused, but I do think it's it needs to be different. Mm. I'd start by reflecting on what's been good. Uh, and in the area of comms, uh, I mean, engagement, as far as I can see from our clients, has gone up. Yeah. Uh, and people do uh, love the flexibility and autonomy of working from home. They've appreciated, uh, they've actually appreciated access to their senior leaders. I've had a lot of people saying the communications they've received through video, they felt they they were closer to their senior leaders, you know. And maybe there's something about seeing a full-sized face on the screen rather than sitting at the back in a town hall of 200 people, which is more more face-to-face, if, you, mm. if I can use that phrase. It's more, more immediate. So people have liked that. And I think a lot of senior leaders have as well. Mm. Um, so I think let's spend some time reflecting on what's worked well. Um, we've been talking a lot about hybrid meetings with clients recently. And one of the first questions we send is, what was better about virtual meetings? Mm. And people say, well, we actually like the discipline. Uh, mm. They started on time. People raised hands. They didn't interrupt. <clears throat> and actually, it was more inclusive because the introverts like to use chat. And we all got a chance to ask questions and they, they sat there in chat. And if they weren't answered, they could come back to them afterwards. And so there's a lot of real good things that happened over the last year. So let's lock those in. Let's not lose those when we uh, when we get back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, secondly, I think we really need to get our heads around hybrid. I mean, I, I think a lot of companies right now, and it's understandable that they're thinking about how many days a week do I come into the office? And that seems to be 90% of the conversation. So I understand that as the answer has been none for the last year, yeah. it's a big question. <clears throat> but it's kind of the wrong question. Um, the real question is, what's the office good for? And when would I use that resource? Mm. Uh, and the, the surveys are showing that the office wins out over remote working in only a small number of areas like um use of specialty equipment, um, socializing, maybe culture building, informal learning, those kind of things. And so those are the things that we need to organize for when we're in the office. Mm. So, you know, if I was an internal comms person, I'd be thinking about when we, how do we get people together and what, what to do? How, how are we going to make this, there's this idea of, of osmotic learning, you know, that yeah. just by being in the office, you learn things. Or serendipity, where you, you uh, bump into people in the, uh, in the coffee machine and, and you launch this, and you find this brilliant idea. <clears throat> I, I think a lot of that's a myth, actually. Mm. Uh, not only that, but I would say to comms people, if you rely on chance encounters to get across important information, that's actually a failure in your communication plan. Mm, mm. If you can't do better than chance, then you're failing. Yeah. And so I think this has got to be an interesting area. How do you organize that the communities, the networks, the, the communities of practice and the informal connections to make sure that that important information travels better than chance? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's one of the things we've been talking about to to clients and, and, you know, obviously, you know what we do, which is 
you know, what do you, there's, there's a real sort of risk, I think, that, that we just sort of drift back into, you know, this new normal and, and don't take a chance to kind of debrief people because I think people have been through a, a fantastic learning opportunity. You know, the, the, like we've just said, we you know what, 10 years, five years, five to 10 years of transformation in 18 months. And, and they've probably learned a lot about themselves, about their resilience, about their, you know, and, and left to their own devices may not reflect on it. You know, so I think there's a huge opportunity when people do come back. Yes, you could probably do it via, you know, remotely, but I do think it's quite, a, it is going to be quite an emotional experience where being together and being able to kind of read people better than you could probably do through virtually will be really important. So I think having a, a process just to debrief people, but like you say, going forward, when we do bring people together it, with some structure around the kind of things we want to talk about and how we want to make best use of that time and, and not just like you say, you're running on kind of brownie in motion for people to sort of bump into each other and have these chance conversations. Yeah. I think it's absolutely uh, makes sense to me. Yeah, definitely. I think also, you know, they, it depresses me a little bit, particularly how bad governments are learning from other governments around the world you know i don't mm. think we did a very good job of learning from the experiences that places like you know uh, south korea uh, had for example during sars where yeah. a lot of the lessons they learned then they implemented successfully uh, this time around <clears throat> um china's already six months into hybrid working yeah you know we're, we're we're starting to do reviews with chinese clients saying okay we've been doing this for six months what's worked what hasn't uh, and so for example, what we're finding is people are spontaneously saying, right, we're having a company Thursday. where Everybody comes in one Thursday a month. And in the afternoon, there are no meetings just so that we can kind of have that. We're in the same place. We can bump into people and those kind of things. And I think that stuff will evolve. And hybrid is so complex. There's so many moving parts that I think a lot of um, hybrid teams are, are putting their blinkers on. They're looking at their own pattern of work and their own way of working. And they're not looking more broadly across the organization. So mm. there will be a need to kind of reconnect that stuff. Um, you know, I, I'll give you a, an extreme example. You know, companies, we have clients who are saying, <clears throat> okay, we, we're going to come into the office uh, 60% of the time. We're giving people flexibility to work out their own pattern. And actually, we're cutting out 40% of our desks. Mm. Uh, and it's well, you know, at, at a, a crude level, that sounds as though mathematically it work out. But if you give people flexibility, how many are going to come in on a Monday or Friday? Mm, yeah yeah Not. and so you're going to get 100 percent occupancy for three yeah, days a week. yeah you know it, so it just doesn't work out so th there is a lot of moving parts and you will not get it right so i i would strongly recommend that people see this as a trial and an experiment and, and position it as such because they will need to to evolve this as they go along it's not yeah. going to work perfectly first time out of the box and i guess that in in and of itself is going to be a bit alert well maybe a we've learned that some organizations that maybe weren't traditionally good at that, but, but this whole kind of emergent uh, approach to, to strategy. I mean, again, I think that what the, hopefully again, a reflection point for me from the, the kind of pandemic and how quickly organizations managed to adapt to that is that, you know, we don't need to spend months planning things to the, you know, to the nth degree, we can actually learn constructively and without, you, you know, kind of gambling the business through experimentation and failing fast and all of this sort of stuff and you know amplifying what's what works and and uh, hopefully as you say that that will carry forward into you know finding finding the way the way forward in the future for people that works for everybody and all the majority of people anyway yeah and, and if it doesn't my fear is that people will then say oh that the problem is remote working and therefore <laughs> yeah. i'll come back into the office now i yeah. think that that's a, an easy solution but i do think there is tremendous pressure and particularly from from recruiters i'm hearing now 
one of the first questions that everybody asks is, what's your flexible working policy? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And so I think the talent war will will be a strong motivator to get this right. But, you yeah. know, a lot of our clients are huge. You know, we've got clients with millions of employees, uh, mm. many clients with hundreds of thousands. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to get right. Yeah, yeah, no. I just want to use that as an opportunity then just to, to move on to another question that I had uh, that I'd be really interested in getting your viewpoint on, which I've, I've picked up um, through, you know, the conversations. And, and again, we, we our clients, similar, similar to yours, are, you know, very diverse, uh, some with people who've worked throughout, some people who've had to furlough people, some people who've had to, you know, basically everybody went remote. But one of the things I have picked up is that a concern around – almost you know the, the, for whatever we you know the reasons we've talked about the, the world will be some people who just life has not changed you know key workers call them what we will you know people who work for water companies who are out fixing water mains you know their their life hasn't changed they haven't you know that it has changed maybe around the periphery but broadly speaking their jobs stayed the same and then there are people then who are kind of now got this sort of you know nice you know working from home and and all of the all of the all of the attractiveness that comes with that and and i've, I've picked this up in a few conversations i've had with people where there has been a kind of a bit of a it has been divisive and and and, and people have been working hard to maintain that not that the non-divisiveness of it and keep cohesion and, and, and between people. I mean, do you perceive that going forward, organizations, internal comms, people, enga- employee engagement, HR are going to have to do something differently to keep that cohesiveness together or, or is something they're going to have to maybe have to think about that they've not thought about before? Yeah. I mean, it definitely needs to be on the agenda. And like you, you know, we've picked up some, some tensions around that. I mean, you know, during the height of the lockdown in the UK, for example, one of our clients, you know, the, the HR people weren't allowed to go on site. And so the people who they were supporting were working and saying, okay, so it's okay for us to come on site, but it's too risky for uh, a HR person to come on site. Mm. You know, and so you do get some of those things. And I think, you know, what people are like everyone, everyone is the hero in their own story. So everyone thinks they have the toughest time. So if you, if you continue to work, you feel like you, you held the company together. Mm. If you work from home with all the distractions and you put in long hours to make it work, you feel like, you know, you, you held the company together. And the people on furlough who were sent home, they think they had it toughest because, you know, they literally didn't have anything to do. And mm. other people feel, yeah, but they got paid for doing nothing. And so th- th- there are all those messages going on. And so I do think there will be some repair. And, you know, when, when we can get together, I think there's going to be a desire to maybe celebrate. It's not the right word, but to acknowledge what happened yeah. uh, and to process what happened. And we, we find there's a tremendous desire for people to talk about their experiences mm. on, on our webinars. Um, so how are you going to recognize those different groups and, and the contributions they made? I mean, mm. I've seen quotes from the, uh, again, from the Empire Strikes Back lobby saying, well, the people who came in the office basically held it together and paid for everybody else uh, i'm not sure if i was somebody working from home for 15 months i'd be particularly motivated by that statement. yeah yeah so there'll be some repair to do and i think by the way it's not only those groups i think you know leaders will have left a leadership legacy during this period and mm. some have done it brilliantly and some have not done it very well at all mm. uh, and i think for those latter group they've got a lot of ground to catch up mm. um so I think there's there's all those things going. I think a couple of things I've mentioned before, like the, the kind of mixing the, the Chinese, mixing once once a month days, um, getting out of the silos and making sure that we we you know there's a, a trade off in it, a lot of when well, in all organisations between coordination and flexibility. And I think mm-hmm. at the moment people are talking a lot about flexibility. You know, give, trying to give people choice, which is admirable. 
but also you will have to run a business. And at some point, you know, a manager will say, no, actually, I need you to come to this meeting. Uh, and, you know, people may have different views about that. And, and so I think there's, there's a little bit of a reset necessary in some of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also there's some stuff which is, you know, there's a common objection at the moment that says, you know, because of proximity bias, people who don't go, come into the office yeah, have less opportunities for development and, and career progression and those kind of things, which was certainly true before uh, before the pandemic. Um, it, it was well established that people, for example, who are headquarters tended to get promoted because yeah. you're in people's minds, you're more visible, you know, for all those reasons. Now, we can either accept that and say, yeah, yeah, that is a problem, in which case that is likely to mean that anyone who really, really wants to get ahead will come into the office just to be seen. Mm. Or we can say, actually, no, we need to change our processes so that things like succession, uh, development, um, visibility are handled equally for people who are who are physically present. And, mm. Mm. Um, and that's a bigger challenge. But if we really want to make a hybrid culture work, we could, we've got to we've got to uh, solve that. Yeah, yeah. As I think, yeah, yeah. So I agree because I mean, if you think about it, the the, the danger is is sort of confirmation bias. If we, if we only promote people who are working, who are kind of you know around the office, then they're what are they going to do? Well, they're going to kind of value being in the office, and and it's almost like we're kind of selecting out that 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 remote capability which is as you know is as be, being able to work effectively commit remotely is is a skill and and it, and it requires development and you and you you know we've learned over the last last 18 months some people you know how tough it is but to be productive and and uh, work away from the office without you know if that's not what you're used to so yeah 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 um so I know when we when we spoke uh, when we spoke a few weeks ago, I, I kind of threw in the, the term feral, and the, in that um, that you know I, I was I was interested just from a kind of observational human observation perspective that that you know maybe for people who you know at the beginning of the pandemic everybody was rocking up to on microsoft teams meetings you know really well presented and then gradually people have become more and more relaxed and casual and I, and i guess we know we have developed our own little habits and i've always been really conscious of you know how i conduct myself when i work on my own and then how you know when i do get with people and because uh, i've been used to that for a long time i mean what do you see any what what are some of the things you think we need to and this is again a really general question, but learn, relearn when we do eventually come back to a more hybrid way of working. You know, what are some of the things we need to be mindful of with people, with teams that help them integrate back into um, a more, mm. you know, kind of uh, a, a community, you know, physical being mm. in the same space together? Do you see any challenges around that? And, and what, what yeah, are Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, you know, mm. I think people, people adapt, people are very adaptable, you know, and we've mm. adapted to an environment where we sit at home and, you know, do things exactly the way we want to do things. Do things. So, I think there's a number of things. I mean, firstly, people take extraordinary things for granted very quickly. Mm. You know, I'm already hearing stories from people who say, you know, now that they're starting to talk about people coming into the into the office. I mean, it sounds crazy. People say, well, it's not really any con- not really convenient for me anymore because I got a dog. Mm. Or I've taken on caring responsibility for my mother, and I, you know, I don't think I can come into the office regularly. Um, or another one saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, I've, I've moved countries." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I to say, you know, I, I, I can't come to the office. Is it okay if you keep paying me indefinitely? Yeah. And so there's going to be some what, what seemed like perfectly reasonable, but apparently going to be quite tough conversations about reestablishing, you know, what what being at work means. Yes, in some yeah, cases, yeah. People maybe who've been on on furlough uh, or have 
you know, maybe been using the flexibility in a, in a different way than we thought. Um, the, the foral thing made me laugh when you said it, and it really made me think, actually, because I, I like anything like that. And, and uh, I, did, I did a blog and a, a cartoon around it. And <laughs> I think that, you know, the, the, the immediate thought was, you know, maybe we'll have, you know, bands of, of badly dressed employees shambling around the office. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. descending on the cafeteria for the first hot meal in ages. But I don't think it's going to be that. But I do think there will be, you know, for example, you know, if you've been if you've been working from home and you've had more autonomy, naturally you're going to be a bit more resistant to to control that you don't think is adding value. Um, yeah. I talked to a very senior guy and a Danish client of ours, you know, and uh, he'd, he'd driven, this was about six months ago, uh, that would have been actually last summer, and he'd driven to a meeting. He hadn't been to a meeting for, for quite a while. It was the first chance he'd had to go to a first-to-face -first meeting. And he was outraged when he got back. He said, I drove for an hour and a half. He said it was a completely pointless and badly run meeting. And then I drove back again. He said, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that could be positive, that, that kind of pushback yes. that says yeah. we're actually not – prepared to put up with some of the i won't use the word but some of the stuff that used to happen yes yes, um, yes. in corporations so i'm kind of looking forward to a little bit the uh a little bit of the revolution there i've got to say so that maybe is a positive thing i think there's a, a negative thing which is the anxiety about coming back to work i mean i think we will have a lot of people who are who are anxious about public transport and being in an office and those kind of things. And I think governments have pushed up anxiety deliberately as a way of kind of getting people to uh, to follow perfectly reasonable rules on social distancing, et cetera. Um, but there's, there's going to be quite some work, I think, to to re-socialise people into, into what will always be a level of risk, I think. Mm. You know, it's, maybe it will be similar to the risk we have from flu. It's still there, um, but we live with it. Uh, yeah. And I, I think, you know, it will, take, it will take a while for people to get over that. And some people, you know, it will be genuine. And as always, there'll be some people who use that as a bit of an excuse mm, for, for mm, other agendas. Um, mm. So that needs managing. And I think more generally in the office is just that getting back into a, a culture of consideration and tolerance for other people. Yeah, um, I'm hearing a lot of people say I'm back in the office now, but everyone's shouting on on, on uh, virtual calls, talking very loudly. Um, mm. You just can't concentrate. Mm. You know, so mm. noise levels. You know, um, a lot of people focusing on the individual patterns that they want for themselves and their teams without necessarily consideration for their colleagues. Mm. You know, and teams are going to have to sit down and they are going to have to make some trade offs. I'm going to have to trade off some of my flexibility in order to support to support yours. And we're going to mm. have to find a middle way. And I think we might have fallen out of the habit of that over the last year. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think I think helping people to be self-aware uh, because I I mean I'm conscious of I've I've developed some you know n nothing worrying, but I know I I know if I looked at myself and observed myself you know two years ago if I observed me now I would see some really strange kind of character yeah. traits you know i i would never have gone out for a walk every hour every morning you know in the old world and i do it now and it's kind of my new so you know that isn't a particularly a bad habit but but i i'm sure we have probably uh, you know on, 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 because it's been kind of you know relatively slow evolution of how we've adapted to this over 18 months we'll have probably be doing things now that are, that are quite sort of peculiar that we're not aware of so i think i do think that you like you say a kind of culture of of being okay to, to and, and i also think we're gonna uh, uh, it's all, uh, almost like when you you, you you know we'll only kind of it's almost like there'll be a mild form of well, not mild, but maybe even profound form of, of PTSD almost afterwards. When we, it's only really when we're out of it that we kind of go, 
flipping out what have we just yeah. been through and and what have i just sustained and 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 be and again i think that allowing people to open up and, and as you said earlier i think it's really good that people have got a, a much acute more acute and i hope genuine interest in mental health and yeah. and well-being and and then that that isn't just you know kind of oh well, we've done the pandemic now so we don't need to worry about that i hope that no. kind of carries on as well i think so well i also just just some of the, the practices stuff you know i mean mm. I, I run run training courses you know and i've run training courses for 30 years so i kind of know how to do it uh, mm. i've run webinars for 15 years so i kind of know how to do that as well and so but for the last year and a half my stage if you like has been a 90 minute to two and a half hour webinar mm. uh, I, I think we do a great job of those and they're very interactive and all the rest but the first time i stand up in front of a group of 25 people and i've got two days with them and we're doing it all face to face i'm gonna to have to relearn some oh, stuff. oh yeah yeah you know and yeah. i'm sure it's still there but i i'm sure when i when i do that for the first time it'll be a bit strange yeah yeah I, i've got one of those coming up in a few weeks and, and i've been having calls with everybody talking about you know the you, you know what do you want to get out of the meeting what you know what what's your kind of priorities for it's, it's a strategic session and and um and one of the things that's come across to me in that is that i need to get i also you know don't forget this is the first time i've been in a room with i'm not going to just kind of switch on and be kind of like on my a game and i'm thinking i'm the same you know i i'm i need to give myself a bit of permission to be human and rec recognize that i'm not just going to immediately flick into you know super facilitation mode when i've not done it for nearly two years face to face with anyone so yeah it, it, it is uh it is going to be kind of weird for everybody, I think. And I think it's just that, like you say, I think it's that ability just to be empathetic to the fact that we're all, it yeah. all and some people will, will obviously adapt more quickly than others. But um, yeah. yeah, that's been really, really fascinating, uh, Kevin, as I hope. And there's m millions more other things I'd love to talk to you about. Sure. I mean, just, just summarizing, I mean, you, you know, I, I think we I think covered some really, really powerful areas. Um, and rather than me summarizing, is there any, any, any one thing you'd really like to sort of just leave as a sort of final nugget of, of wisdom for, for anyone who's sort of leading an agenda around getting people back to work, leading a kind of hybrid working type project or anything like that? Any One, one or two, I know it's really, really reductionist, but any anything that you'd, you'd, you'd sort of just top tips, as it were? Yeah, I, I think what we're seeing is, is kind of a roadmap, if you like, of the, of the skills for this hybrid environment. And I think some people are saying, well, we know how to do remote, we know how to do face-to-face, -face, so putting them together will be easy. But managing two modes is harder than managing either one or the other. Mm. And so I think we do need to focus on the, the, the detail of this. So right now, the priority for a lot of companies is, is equipping leaders to manage a conversation around flexibility with their people. And I think a lot of leaders are uncomfortable about that. It's a new type of conversation. I think we need to equip them about that. The second thing is is hybrid meetings. I think that's where the rubber's going to hit the road. You know, how do we run a meeting where eight people are in the room and four are joining remotely? Mm. And if you've a lot of international teams have worked that way, and usually the meetings were terrible. The people mm. who joined remotely didn't feel included. They yeah. didn't feel as though it was their decision. So we got. And also, by the way, meetings culture has become a bit dysfunctional over the last 12 months. Too many meetings, dawn to dusk webinars. So we've got to reset our meetings culture for hybrid and also to make it sustainable. And then thirdly, we need to get into this kind of leadership stuff. You know, and, and if if in a it, there's a good chance that nearly every uh, team containing managerial and professional people will be a hybrid team mm. or certainly a, a large proportion of them. And so. Every soft skill you have will be exercised in a hybrid environment. Mm. 
Mm. the way you present, the way you facilitate a meeting, the way you lead people, the way you do team building. So there's actually quite a lot. And it's not, by the way, it's not 100% different, but it is 10, 15% different. So we're going to have to just adjust all of our leadership and collaboration practices. And I, I think people are underestimating how how much of a piece of work that is. Mm. No, I, I agree. I agree. No, I think that's really, 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 really powerful. So fantastic. So I normally, I normally ask this at the end, but I'm going to ask it. So I've got another question, but I'm coming to that. What resources that we can kind of signpost people to? I know obviously your website, Global Integration. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Is there any, any uh, articles, white papers, any, any, any content that you'd like me to particularly flag up around the topic that we've been talking about today? And I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, I think the website is the best place to go. Okay, on it on the website there there is for each of the topic areas there are white papers. There's a couple of free webinars. There's books and all kinds of things. So that's the place to look. Alternatively, mm-hmm. follow us on on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find us easily enough if you look for Global Integration or for me, uh, Kevin with an A Hall. And, yes. Um, we we publish a blog every week, and we, we our strategy is to be very open about our ideas. Yeah. So you'll find you know everything is fairly transparent. Yeah, right, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'll put a link to your um your LinkedIn profile as well if anybody wants to to, to message you. you or reach out to you personally as well. Um that's fantastic. So anyway, as I said, the sort of reverse slightly reverse order. The um the final question which I ask all of my uh interviewees, which is um and and I've known you for a while, um uh, so I'd be interested to know what well, something I always ask is is somebody you know, people who know you work reasonably well, work with your colleagues, friends, etc. Something they don't know about you, either something you've done, something you do now that's uh, a, a kind of guilty secret that you're willing to share with uh, with my audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they, they say don't they, that uh, there's a big overlap between CEOs and psychopath, uh, psychopaths. So I'm not going to admit <laughs> feeling any guilt about this. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, my son was reading a book about different personality styles, and one of the personality styles was was the rebel. Uh, and he keeps bringing it up and, and laughing about this because I just cannot, I temperamentally cannot follow rules, mm. uh, which is difficult as a CEO because I, when I set up rules for the organisation, which I try and do as little of as possible, I can't even follow my own rules, which yeah. kind of <laughs> undermines it. And so I dislike anything that puts me in a box. So even for example, you know, on Spotify, if they recommend a, a playlist. I won't use it because I feel like they're pigeonholing. <laughs> you know, uh, on, <laughs> you know on, on, we have a Peloton, and on the Peloton, you know, if I do a class that I really like, I think, well, I won't do that one again because that, there might be another one that's better. Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I think it helps me in my work because I'm always trying to think about things a different way, always trying to to be countercultural. But <laughs> but I'll even, you know, if I'm going to the same place regularly, I'll try and always drive a different way. Yeah. Wow. So, that yeah. That bad. is that is rebellious. So I, I even rebel against myself. <laughs> oh, I I kind of get that. I mean, pe- people have, people have asked me. You know, it's what it's uh, two thousand. I'm trying to do the math. Fourteen years since I had a corporate role, and you know, people and the, the people don't ask it anymore now. But uh, as, as often as they did, but you know, back at the beginning, people would say, "Do you think you'll ever go back to you know having a corporate job?" But then you you become unemployable from a corporate perspective. I, I couldn't. I'm like you. I, I mean, I'm not maybe not as rebellious as you. But I, I couldn't follow. I couldn't follow rules. I mean, you. I mean, in in interesting, you do end up. You're still working for for someone. It just happens that they're clients, and you've you've still got to kind of you know bend a little bit. You can't be. But I do. I do. I do. I agree with you. It is. Um, 
it's usually liberating and we're extremely lucky to be able to do what we do and, and I'm always grateful for that and uh, but you're right it, it it's um it, it's a good trait to have in it and and you know I love the I love your analogy there that you you know right that because I know what you mean you've got to write procedures and policies and my, I'm always getting berated for well you didn't follow your own procedure <laughs> you've told us that every everything needs to be proceduralized but you kind of don't follow them yourself you're always kind of reinventing them so yeah I totally understand that so well, look, luckily I've hired some people who who actually Actually quite like to follow process and so they quietly follow a process and don't tell me about it and, okay. they're, and they're rebelling in their own little <laughs> way as well so <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant well look that's been absolutely fantastic kevin i know you're off on your holidays uh after today so uh, have a have a lovely break and um and 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 uh yeah and and thank you very much for sharing your your wisdom uh, as i say there's i may get you back at some point in the future because i know there's, there's there's hundreds of other stones we left unturned there but I, I think you've given us a really good overview of a very contemporary issue that i think uh, our listeners will find really useful no, thank you, Andy. Certainly, uh, every company in the world is talking about it right now. So it's uh, it's nice to see so much interest. In, you know, I'm not used to the topics I trade in being on the BBC website every day. And so uh, <laughs> it's nice that the conversation is is getting more more widespread. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and as I said the, at the beginning, the world's finally caught up with you, Kevin. So uh, long overdue. But uh, yeah, well, thank you very much anyway, and have a have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. So thank you for listening to Engaging Internal Comms. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the show and any questions, ideas, or feedback that you'd have. Anything you'd like us to cover on future episodes too, please. So you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can get in touch with us via the contact form at engagingic.com. You can also sign up to our mailing list there and we'll send you relevant news about the show and anything that we think you might be interested in when it comes to internal communications and employee engagement. If you like the show and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to it directly via your podcast service. Uh, And you can also subscribe via the links on our podcast page, which again is engagingic.com. If you like the show, we'd be really grateful if you could leave us a review um, and also if you could leave some verbal uh, feedback there as well, not just stars. That's always nice to know that we, we've been appreciated and particularly how we're, we've helped you. If you know anyone else who might like the show or might benefit from it, please tell them, please share it with them. Please share the link to our website, engagingic.com. And uh, that would be great because we want to grow our community. We want to get as many people involved in the show as possible. Um, And we, uh, yeah, the, the bigger, the better. Okay, thank you.